Hello and welcome to One Inch Past Scary Podcast. This is Kirsty Sayer and since my last announcement you might have assumed that I've gone AWOL and um, with all those big exciting um, aspirations just kind of dropped the ball entirely and you would be forgiven in thinking so because I haven't um, had very good luck in recording my podcast at the same time as my YouTube videos. Um, since that, um, I have been, um, attempting to do so, but the YouTube videos have been, um, coming out just fine and the podcast has crashed twice now. So I'm really sorry about that. And if you don't follow me on social media, uh, that's what's been going on. You can check out, um, the last two uh, podcasts on, um, one inch um, dot com. I've linked to them on my, on my webpage or just go to my YouTube channel by the same name, uh, One Inch Past Scary. But since um, I have promised that the podcast would continue unabated and um, that hadn't been the case and I miss the people who connect with me purely through the podcast, I decided to just combine the last two uh, videos in a little chat today. Um, to catch you guys up. And I have to admit that this is so nice. <laughs> I have missed just doing a podcast. It is a lot. Um, it feels more intimate to me, to be honest, because I am not all um, gussied up uh, in full makeup and with good lighting and sitting there with my camera on me looking um, <laughs> as nice as I can possibly look. <laughs> I'm just sitting in my bedroom uh, looking really disheveled and it feels nice to be able to just bear my soul in this way. I really do enjoy podcasting, um, but I'm committed to trying a whole bunch of new things. So here we are. Anyway, it's good to be back in this format. And so let's let's chat. So um, in my second to last uh, podcast, I, which I attempted, I talked about how um, being vulnerable and making connections with complete strangers helped me out of some really uh, tough days recently. Um, the first one um, that I discussed, the first kind of little anecdote that I've talked about, and if you do follow me on social media, you've seen this and you've heard all this, so, you know, listen again at your own risk. But... Um, I'm going to probably go a little bit more in depth on the story since it is much more intimate here, I feel. But I um, I had been with my son. We had gone in for some routine testing, um, which I thought was routine. He had, he had cropped up with something that we were slightly concerned about. But I was convinced that when we went to the doctor, she would say, everything's fine. Go on your way. You know, this is just, you know, sock a little injury. And um, she was stumped and, and then somebody else was stumped and suddenly we were going for a whole battery of tests all of a sudden. And, um, you know, when you're not prepared for that, it sort of take, you know, it takes you by surprise and it's your child. And I don't know, but I found myself really, um, struggling with a sort of verging on a panic attack. I was just so not expecting that. And then that threat, um, you know, my child might not be okay, and this is not how I expected it to go. If anybody's ever got sort of scary medical news, you'll know that it's just a very, it's a horrible moment. And so um, I was really just trying very hard to breathe and stay calm and, and be rational. And of course, there's nothing wrong. And all like in all likelihood, there's nothing wrong. And um, 
spoiler alert, I'm very happy to say that after all the tests we've done, everything is fine. And so we're so grateful. And so I don't want anybody to worry about that while we're getting to the end of the story. But um, at the time, I was just sort of actually feeling like dizzy. I was feeling like I need to lie down. This is not okay, you know. But at the same time, having to put on a really brave, just everything's totally fine face for my kid. So we went down and we we're waiting to get the testing. And then, of course, you get called back to do that insurance stuff. And um, I went into the little room where they take your, you know, your insurance card and you just register for the testing. And there was, um, I don't know if anybody else does this when they're very stressed, but I sort of fix like hyper focus on what's in front of me. Um, your like your your eye you know your your vision narrows almost and I sort of fixate on something really weird like and I happened to fixate on a sign behind this woman's desk who was checking me in and it said today is a new day and I'm trying really hard to be more healthy and I'm trying to avoid a sweets pop and uh, what else did she say? Chips, something like that. Um, so please hold me accountable. And then she had signed Jenny. And I saw there was a, a bunch of signatures on it. So I'm assuming that was actually for her coworkers, but it's they're staring me in the face. And then I happened to see she has a um, McDonald's cup on her desk. And so I thought, well, I wonder if there's pop in there. And so I'm like, well, she did ask to be held accountable. So I said, Hey, Jenny, uh, is there pop in that? Is there soda in that cup? And I I don't even know what made me do that. I, I Actually, I do. I have theories. But she looked really taken aback and confused. And she was like, yeah. And I gestured to the sign behind her and I said, um, I thought you didn't want to be drinking soda or pop or whatever it is that people call it um, anymore. And she looked embarrassed and she laughed and she was like, but I'm so thirsty. I... I said, you know, what helps with that? I, and I hated myself immediately being this way. But I, I, what I was doing is, well, basically I said water also. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't bring water. And I was like, oh, come on, Jenny, you can do better than that. We had a little laugh. And, and then we got into this really intimate conversation about, you know, struggles with exercise and diet and all the things. But what I was trying to do, I realized, um, was distract myself and I knew I there was a part of me that instinctively knew that I needed to make a human connection that was beyond just to keep me grounded that was beyond you know here's my insurance information here's this I need I needed a human being I needed a warm body I needed to connect and so you know I recounted this on Facebook and I got a lot of kudos like how nice of you and you know and then I'd I told Jenny you know I'm a personal trainer and a life coach and you just got a free session with me because we talked about some some strategies she could use and we talked about how she's addicted to Kool-Aid and how it just feels so good and when she gets a hit and you know I was like you don't have to cut out Kool-Aid entirely unless you're diabetic like enjoy your Kool-Aid once a week make it an event and then we talked about exercise and how you know I don't know. It was so tough for her to exercise because there was this personal trainer at her gym, this guy, I guess, who was volunteering or at, not at her gym, at her church, and he's really tough on them and calls them wimps and she doesn't like the exercise, and, and but she wishes she could just go dancing or walking. And I'm like, oh, but you can. That's a brilliant idea. And she seemed so energized and excited by all these hardly groundbreaking um, suggestions I was giving her and so anyway people were like wow how nice of you like to be this way and I 
it was not about me being nice. I have to, I have to cop to that entirely. It was a coping strategy um, that I instinctively reached for um, in a time that felt very dangerous and sort of like a crisis to me. I needed to make a connection, and that connection helped me out so much. I, I would love to imagine that it helped Jenny out too, but. And you know what, she she did seem energized and happier, and I know I was, and I was much more grounded after the experience, just so much more grounded. Um, reaching out, talking about somebody else's struggles and, you know, troubleshooting and talking about my own struggles and us being vulnerable together. And it could have just been this really clinical moment where I continued to just be obsessed or I could have been, you know irritated which I initially was that you know we have to keep doing this insurance stuff like why don't they have me on file already you know all these things and taking it out on this poor woman um, who's just doing her job at the end of the week and you know it there's all those alternatives or you can reach out and make a connection and it can be in any way you know complimenting somebody on what they're wearing or anything you know asking somebody sincerely how their day's going um so that was a really incredibly helpful experience to me. And then I think the next day or a couple of days later, um, I was, I voice texted somebody I thought was my husband to ask him if he could pick up, um, Ella from school because I was running late and, um, you know, it was going to happen a couple of hours later, but I knew I wasn't going to be home. And, um, I got this text a couple of hours later from, somebody that said this is um I think you have the wrong number I just wanted to let you know make sure that you knew you know nobody's getting your daughter from school which I thought was so thoughtful and it turned out so I sort of struck up a conversation um and it turned out this was a a, a high school uh freshman a young girl who was a high school freshman and we had this little conversation and it was so fun and I ended up showing her my family photo like the old woman I am now I guess and it was just, and she said, you know, this has made my day. And she was lovely. She, and I just was really touched by how responsible she was in, by, you know, making sure I knew that I did not have somebody to pick up my kid. <laughs> so she was just really sweet. And, and she said, this made my day. And I was like, you know what, it made my day too. And I was trying to figure out like why, you know, we, all of us are so connected on social media and whatever, but I think it's these serendipitous connections where we make, you know, these unexpected sort of, there's a way that we tend to, you know, sort of interact with people who text us wrong or wrong number. It's like, I think you have the wrong number. Oh, thank you. Goodbye. You know, I'm sorry about that. But, you know, saying, oh, well, thank you. That's so kind of you. You're not, you know, and then striking up a conversation. Your name's not Aaron. No, it's not. And, you know, that that sort of thing um, ended up just being refreshing and it makes you feel like you're surrounded by humanity. And it really, it, it it's such a weird thing. The society that we live in now is so ultra connected, but um, I think these unexpected ways of connecting, these more um, organic ways of connecting as human beings where we're just saying, hey, wow, out of the ether. So you're another human and how's your day going? Thanks so much for interacting with me and making sure it's okay. This was really cool of you, you know? Um, that makes us feel more connected and it, it really helped me that day. I just, I was having, you know, just kind of an ordinary day and it really lifted me. It really made me feel like we're all in this together, you know? So I loved that. And, you know, she, she expressed that she enjoyed it too. And it was great. 
So um, I was basically telling these stories because I feel that vulnerability is so important and it is becoming more and more of a buzzword. And I know that Brene Brown has hit Netflix and and she's doing really well with her a new special um, on Netflix, which I love that, you know, people who haven't read her work before are, are being exposed to it because it's such important, pivotal work. Um, I actually haven't watched the Netflix uh, special yet, but I've read her books and read a lot of her stuff. And she's um, she does work uh, um, centered around shame and um, vulnerability and, you know, how to how to overcome those things, you know, how to overcome shame and the debilitating effects of shame and wherever it comes from um, with being vulnerable and being honest and being transparent. And that's so um, important. And I, I have always, in some way or another, without even maybe having that that vocabulary over the many years that I've been online, that I've been trying to sort of erase the stigma of mental health um, issues, I've been trying to sort of model that, that the moment I started to be vulnerable about what was going on with me um, was the moment I started to really make progress and get help. And and, and it's it's just so necessary for healing. And it's also so necessary for intimacy. And relationships cannot grow unless there's... um, vulnerability involved we cannot all keep our guards up and also enjoy intimacy it's just not how it works and so that's always been a really um important theme for me that I've that I've really promoted and that I've been very very fervent about and like I just said you know being vulnerable and being open and trying to make connections is so important it makes our lives happier it makes our lives easier it makes our lives more fulfilling and rich and it helps with healing it helps to erase shame and then at the same time vulnerability is by its very definition inherently risky right it has risk. And if it didn't, you know, nothing that's truly worthwhile is without risk, in my opinion. Um, in fact, you know, let's, you know, we could debate that for hours to see if that was true. And I think it is. But at the same time, I feel like I have been really remiss. And that's probably because I haven't quite understood it until really recently, that vulnerability can exist while also um, protecting yourself strategically. So, um, there's a right and a wrong way to be vulnerable. And, you know, Brene Brown actually covers this quite a lot too. Um, I think she, she talks about, there's a really good excerpt that she had recently, I think with Oprah, um, that you could look up on YouTube, which is, um, your shame story. And not every part of being vulnerable is regarding shame at all. You know, these, 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 uh, examples that I gave of being connected with strangers weren't about shame at all, but we've all got a shame story and some of us have them every week or whatever. Um, but she talks about how people need to earn the right to hear your shame story. And I think, um, where I've gone wrong many, many times in the past is that I've exposed myself to people who were not ready or had not earned the right and um, or had their own boundaries up and did not want to hear it, <laughs> were telling me emphatically in, in 
uh, not so many words that they did not want to hear it for whatever reason. And those reasons actually don't matter. I spent a lot of time trying to dissect, you know, why doesn't this, why won't this person be here for me in the way that I need them? Um, that doesn't matter. The fact is they not. And, and you don't need to waste energy on trying to make somebody who's not ready, not equipped, or doesn't deserve to hear, um, your shame story or to um, be exposed to your most vulnerable side. Um, you don't, you don't want to be spending energy you don't have in trying to massage somebody or, you know, a group of people into what they aren't. What you need to do is find somebody who is. Um, and so this is Mental Health Awareness Month and it's um, all about erasing the stigma of mental health issues, which is hand in hand with asking for help, which is hand in hand with being vulnerable, which is all these things. And so this part of the podcast, which is my second podcast on the YouTube videos, is how to be strategic, how to be careful, how to protect yourself while still being vulnerable. And I think this is such an important topic for empaths to hear because so often we are trying to make everybody into us. We are empaths and so often we sort of have the nature where we want to help and we are ready to hear people most of the time we are ready to absorb their issues or their problems or hear it or be there for people. Um, and, you know, to an extent, we've also got to be so, so careful about, um, you know, measuring our, measuring our energy levels and making sure we really are ready for that and not jumping in or biting off more than we can chew because that hurts both us and the person that we're trying to help. So, um, but back to, you know, when you're asking for help, first of all, don't ask the wrong person. You know, I think our instincts will ping us, especially if it's somebody that you've tried with before and it hasn't gone well. It hasn't been a satisfactory experience. You've left um, the exchange feeling less than or more ashamed or more depressed or more isolated or any or le- misunderstood. And um, this can really, you know, damage relationships that were perfectly good relationships for what they um, were. You know, not everybody is the type of friend that's there for you in terms of a mental health crisis. They might be there for you for discussing politics or having a bunch of fun or exercising or, um, you know, discussing kids with. You know, people are there for us in different ways and we can't make any one person into everything for us. And so... I think a lot of people who actually do have mental health issues are drawn toward um, trying to get approval from the type of person that maybe they didn't get approval from in the first place, which created, which created the mental health thing. They sort of like are trying to, trying to, trying to fix um, a relationship, um, a past relationship by projecting what they needed onto a new relationship. And that's the same type of person who's just not up for it, who's just not up for that kind of thing. So we need to practice listening to our instincts and really um, listening to ourselves when those little pings go off. This is not a safe person for this situation. This is not going to end well. Don't persist with that experiment. It If you have a sense or you've had an experience where it hasn't gone well don't do it again um this is this is you know this is a recipe for disaster this is a recipe for not healing but more hurting and also um damage to relationships 
So pick wisely. That said, when you choose a person who is safe, recognize that that person might not always be up for it either. Everybody's got a life and everybody's got their own stuff. And maybe somebody has been the perfect person for you, you know, 20 times before and now they're actually dealing with a lot they're emotionally exhausted they're busy they're distracted they've got a ton going on and suddenly they're not there for you that can also feel completely devastating that can be an isolating feeling that can be just the worst um and then you can really if this person has given up on me in inverted commas then i should give up on myself too because that person was my you know my safe place my port of call and now um, they don't like me, you know, you're reading it this way. They don't like me or they're not there for me and they've given up on me and all these things. A good way to avoid that downward spiral is before you unload on anyone, um, prepare them for it and say, I have something really heavy. I am struggling so much. Do you have the emotional energy right now to listen? Um, do you have the space? Are you busy? Are you overwhelmed right now? Because I am in crisis and but I don't want to you know burden you um with something that you can't deal with because I love you or whatever and this way it gives them the chance to gracefully say I am overwhelmed and I just don't know if I can be there for you in the right way which takes a certain amount of maturity and if you're the person who people come to this is a really important boundary to set as well you need to be able to say Actually, I'm so overwhelmed and I'm afraid I'm not going to be the right person for you right now. That takes a lot of, um, it's a really kind thing to do. Um, so give people the opportunity to do that because if they say, actually, I am so overwhelmed. My kids are um, in a really rough space. My marriage is in a rough space. I'm overwhelmed at work. I'm just swamped or I'm just physically exhausted um, or just everything's going well, but I've just got a ton on my plate. I just I don't have the headspace for it. Then when, you know, instead of you unloading and then being distracted or abrupt or anything that you weren't anticipating, you're not going to take it personally. You're not going to um, internalize it like, oh, my God, the person who was there for me is now no longer there for me. I do suck. I am the worst. There's nobody left for me. I give up. It's over. Right. Um, or you're not going to ruminate on this. Like, why? Why were they weird? Was are they trying to say that I am in fact a last cause or I am a bad person or what? all the things that you wanted from them, they're not giving because they just are distracted or overwhelmed or whatever. So preparing people is your best friend and their best friend too. And it will preserve your relationships and also protect you. Um, the next thing, and it goes really hand in hand with that, is tell people what it is you need. And this is a twofold thing as well. If you need to vent, preempt that. Say, um, do you have space for me to vent right now? Because I just need to vent. Or if you say, I really need reassurance. I'm freaking out. I'm feeling super insecure and I need to know that everything's going to be okay. I'm feeling scared. I'm panicking. I need to hear that everything's going to be okay. Or I need to hear that I'm not crazy. Or I need to hear that that thing I did um, that indicated that I was a crazy person was a temporary moment. It was a blip. Um, was a, you know, was an episode and I'm, you know, I'm okay and 
everything's going to be okay, you know. And the reason why I say this, and it sounds so like, whoa, if I'm going to somebody and I have to do all this homework first, what is even the point? The point is, is that it's a very grounding experience for you to sit with yourself. And it's actually a really good healing method. And you're going to get further on in your journey doing this routinely before you reach out to other people is to ask yourself, what do I need right now? What is it that I'm feeling? Exactly. And what is it that I need from somebody else? And basically what you need is for them to just just confirm what you know you need. And so, you know, in terms of I've had experiences and actually quite recently where I had a really, really intense a PTSD episode. And honestly, um, I knew at the end of it that I wasn't crazy. I knew it was kind of a necessary evil that this this was part of my journey. And it was uh, really intense. And it was scary. And it was horrible. And it was like, super volatile seeming and all the things but I knew literally 10 minutes after that I wasn't crazy but I just needed to hear it from one other person right I needed to hear somebody else say to me yep nope that was you were not crazy and that was a thing and and um that happens with PTSD and now you've got that out of your system so you know bygones um but I needed to tell myself what I needed first. I needed to talk to myself about that and then, um, you know, garner the support. So it's twofold. You're helping people to help you so that, you know, if somebody, you're coming to somebody for um, reassurance and they get the feeling like now's the time for tough love, it's not going to go horribly wrong and you're going to end up in huge conflict. Um, but you're also having a meeting with yourself and you're really getting in tune with what it is you're feeling and what it is that you need, which is so great. So that's another tactic that I highly recommend. So to recap, let's uh, quickly do a recap. Um, choose wisely. Not every friend is the friend that you go to with this kind of crisis. Um, number two is, uh, well, as part of that, listen to your instincts. If they have not been helpful to you in the past, certainly don't try to make them helpful to you in the future. Uh, the next thing, not every friend or every person is good for every, um, even if they were wonderful in the past, doesn't necessarily mean they're up for it today. Check in, ask for permission. And third, ask for what you need. Say, I'm just really this and I really need this. And that's more, that's as much for you as it is for them. And then the next thing is um, consider getting outside of your tight personal group and checking out people who are further away from it and won't be blindsided by whatever it is that you're bringing. And this is what where I really recommend support groups. Um, internet support groups are right there for you. Um, they're just a click away. And what's great about support groups is that you don't have to preempt any of this. They know what, what you're talking about. Um, they know you're there for support and they've been there, done that, or they're going through it with you, or there's a often a number of people who are further down the road and have, um, are there just to pay it forward and to help and to be really empathic and to uh, help you and, and give, you know, you whatever you need. And you're not, um, you know, sort of, connecting with people who are very much invested in whatever it is that you're going on and who are maybe as scared and freaked out as you are or as overwhelmed and exhausted by it as you are and you know if it doesn't work out with that group of people then you are um sort of not any more 
lonely than before. You haven't lost an important relationship in your day to day and you can find yet another support group. So I really, you know, support groups are great. They exist for a reason, both in person and on the internet. And what's also wonderful is that those are real people, you know, as people try to say, you know, internet friends aren't real friends. They actually are real friends. And some of my most enduring, loyal, wonderful, helpful friendships um, have started through internet support groups or pregnancy groups or, you know, newborn baby groups that I still am connected to 20 years later who have become some of my closest confidants that I visit in person, you know. So if you're feeling like there's literally nobody in your everyday life who's there for you, then there is somebody online. There is somebody online or there's somebody in a community that is there for you. And that's the thing. You've got to keep knocking on the door. And I feel like sometimes we're really irresponsible when we ask people, you know, we say to people, and I do this all the time, reach out for help. There's so many people who are willing to help. But I don't say, I don't acknowledge as much as I should. There's also so many people who aren't. And if you should encounter that person who's not willing or ready to help for whatever reason, it's not about you, it's about them and what they've got going on. It doesn't make you bad. It certainly doesn't make them bad. It just is that they are not the person. Um, We need to be cognizant that there will be locked doors. Not every door is, um, you know, we have this thing in the community called no wrong door. And I kind of object to it because often people have connected to that helpline, no wrong door. And it actually has turned out to be that there was a wrong door. And and then they get really discouraged and hopeless. So we can't promise people that if you reach out, it's immediately going to all just be wonderful. The uncomfortable and sad truth is that it's not. You're going to you're going to encounter people who just aren't ready and you're going to encounter them often. And I have many, many times um, encountered people who are just not there for you because they can't be for whatever reason. And it doesn't make you bad and it doesn't make them bad. And it certainly, I have to be so emphatic about this, does not mean that your instinct to reach out for help was wrong. It's always right to reach out for help. It is 100% always right to reach out for help. Um, It just means that you got to keep knocking. And I know that's so much easier said than done. But I think if we acknowledge that not every door is open and some doors are locked and some doors are out to lunch and they've got the sign on busy or gone fishing or whatever, it doesn't mean that there aren't many, many, many more doors that are open and you just should keep going and keep knocking until you find one because you're going to find one which is perfect for you. You're going to find somebody who is perfect for you and who may not always be perfect for you in every situation, but is perfect for you in that situation. And there is no reason to give up after you hit um, a roadblock or you find a door that's locked or temporarily closed. Um, You, you just keep going, guys, please just keep going, keep knocking. Don't take um, the fact that your vulnerability was met with a closed door as a sign that vulnerability is bad or that it's a lost cause or that you're a lost cause. I just can't say this enough. And I really don't think that this is a topic that we cover enough. Um, We're very kind of Pollyanna about if you would only just reach out for help, everything will be okay. And that is not true. Not the first time anyway. But it will be okay if you keep reaching out for help and you show some persistence. And I know that's so hard when you're struggling and you're on the verge. Um, But it's worth it. You will never, um, if you do persist, you will, you are going to find somebody. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you there are so many people that are willing to help. 
um, and they can be very unexpected. It can happen in unexpected ways. You know, it might be the person who is taking your insurance information and seems completely disconnected from your pain and whatever it is that you're going through, but just talking to them and connecting and having that warm body is good. And then the last thing I wanted to say is that at the end of the day, if you're going to weigh not asking for help at all, and you're between asking for help and maybe getting it wrong, I'm always going to say err on that side of asking for help even from the wrong person. And why is that? Because sometimes we just need a distraction. We just need to be doing something to get us through to that next breath or that next day or that next week or month. And even if it's the totally wrong person, at least they served as a distraction. At least you're still there. At least you're connecting. At least somebody's aware, right? So Rather than isolating yourself at the risk of not asking for help, ask for help because it's at least a distraction. Just keep one, putting one foot in front of the other. Really, the secret to getting through a crisis is getting through it. Um, you know, they say if you're going through hell, keep going. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so even if it is hell is made worse by asking the wrong person at least you're still there at least you're moving at least you're you're you know you didn't just give up because i think what's so dangerous and what's so sad and leads to the completion of so many suicides is when people give up asking for help and they just decide that there's nobody out there and they're not even going to bother and so that's that and so if you have to decide between putting yourself out there and meeting the really wrong person um and you know, laying it all out there in front of the really wrong person, at least you're still here. At least you're engaged. At least you're engaged with another human being. So as my final word, asking for help is never the wrong thing to do. Um, but those strategies are things that are helping me and that have been hard won and are only very, very recently learned. And I'm starting to put into practice more carefully. Um, and it does take practice. But those are, you know, my tips um, for um, both being vulnerable and being safe. And I hope that they help you. And um, I just want you to know that um, if you're listening and you're having a hard time, um, this too shall pass. I promise you. Um, I've been in crisis recently where it just felt like this is I can't believe I'm back here. It's so dark. It's so hard. I just can't believe I have to do this again. And I'm never going to stop feeling this way. And honestly, by the next day, everything had turned around. So if you're listening to this, and you're feeling so intensely helpless and sad and overwhelmed, and like there is no hope on the horizon, I am here to tell you that there is. Just keep going. And you are loved and you are worthy. And um. I'm grateful you're here and I want you to stick around. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've missed being on my little podcast. And um, if you want to see me in all my um, unrealistically well-lit and groomed glory on the YouTube channel, uh, oneinchpastscary.com or on my One Inch Past Scary YouTube channel, there I am. And um you know, please share this if it's useful to you. I am trying to get people to, um, I'm trying to increase my, my listenership because I'm about trying to help as many people as I can. So if you would share me on any format that you're listening to me or watching me on, I'd be truly appreciative. 
Take care and um, I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.